my name is Brian Martin and you are listening to Season 4, Episode 1 of the Running Technique Tips Podcast. And I'm now joined by my co-host, Lisa Biffin. Lisa, we've decided to flip over to a new season after we... We we actually honestly we petered out in our road running <laughs> and cross country season, so I think it's time to turn the page and move on to something new. I think it is. No, I think it's a good call. Actually, we um didn't really have the season that we thought that we would to delve into some you know juicy road running and cross country topics. But uh, anyway, new chapter, new season. Indeed, and yeah, we we're just talking before we started recording. Like, what, what's this season going to be about? And I was proposing this is the Brian coaching Lisa season and and you've counted with well that's okay but (laughs) (laughs) yes let's uh we might throw around just some ad hoc topics like we often find that during the week you know as as we're chatting over text and and email etc that we're just talking about random different topics that come up, um, either that you know we're experiencing with our daily lives and daily training, or something that we've read in articles or seen on social media. So, I think sometimes to maybe throw some topics in the air of general interest mm-hmm. might um, cause some good discussion and debate between us, because I know we don't always see eye to eye on everything. What I thought we did. <laughs> Now we have to because I'm coaching you, right? So you just have to do whatever I say. Uh, We'll Uh, we'll see about that. No, no, no. That's obviously not in alignment with my philosophy that I outlined last time. So, no, we won't be doing it that way. Yeah, exactly. Um, But it's been a couple of weeks. We're sort of moving on uh, fortnightly intervals at the moment because I know that we're both a bit bogged down with – I can't believe I'm saying that. We're both bogged down with study. I can't believe I'm saying it's for me. Yeah, you've become a study nerd like me. Yeah, um, and it's hard, isn't it? Like it's uh, – <laughs> and I say this from – it's just like a totally different part of your brain. I was thinking about this last night. I'd handed in the second of my 2,000-word essays that I had to do within a week of each other. And, you know, when you're working, you're so used to that pace and I guess that the topics and whatever it is that you're doing in your workplace – but when you go into a study mode, well, this is how is it for me, you're sort of learning new things and new concepts and it just doesn't come as easily. It's exhausting actually oh, as well because you have to create and produce something, usually quite a lengthy piece. And, yes. Um, you can't just you can't just write whatever comes off the top of your head as well. You've got to support it with a whole bunch of evidence and yes. uh, the commentary of other people and theorists and yeah, which made uh, it hard. And I find that study, unlike work, I can you know do it on the fly. You've got your your emails on your phone. You're in a cafe uh, on your laptop, and you can get out you know ten minutes here, fifteen minutes there. But I work well with study in big chunks and big blocks of time and trying to find those chunks and blocks of times in my life is a bit of a challenge so throw that into the stress of it all and I think I've been quite an unpleasant person to be around to be perfectly honest (laughs) well it's good that I'm here in Ballarat and you're there in Byron Bay Uh, exactly but that's probably the only silver lining is that we're up here in in Byron and I am still working and and trying to study but uh, the house that we're in has got some epic views from my left I can see the entire hinterland and to my right I can see all of the beach so um, it's a pretty special place to be sitting here for hours on end feeling like I'm in a dungeon I I was feeling I was feeling sorry for you but now I'm not so um, (laughs) 
yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But have you been doing any running? Because you were sick there for a while. You sort of were, you had man flu, the never-ending one. Yeah, no, it hung around for quite a while, but I'm, I'm all better now, which is good. And I have been doing a little bit of running and it is only a little bit of running. And I look, I can't remember exactly when the last recording was, but there was sort of the week... Let me just delve back into September. Um, I think it was around so, the week of the 16th of September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the week of 16th to the 22nd of September, I covered 25 kilometres. <laughs> wow. So, and that was three runs, a 30-minute run, a 40-minute run, and a 59-minute run was my long run on this this the Sunday that week. So that was just kind of getting going again after being sick. So I was pretty keen not to... Uh, regress so took it all fairly comfortably that was that was all just jogging basically and the week after that uh, which was last week so the 23rd to the 29th I actually managed to get that to almost 32 kilometers and again I ran four times I managed to fit in fit in some runs around um, yeah commuting and work and a few other things and I actually did I tried to do a session actually that was last Wednesday <laughs> tried to do a session and the goal was to do I don't know about a 15 a 3k jog warm up and then do five by two minutes um at just under threshold with two minutes jogging recovery and yeah I was trying to stay out of the red zone but I, I guess I'd lost so much fitness that I found it difficult so I was just peeking up into the red zone at the end of each of those two minute reps I probably wasn't quite fit enough to do what I'd planned and I think I actually cut the fifth one back to 90 seconds um, because that was just heading into the wrong place but I suppose on the positive side the actual reps themselves I was ticking over it's actually going ticking over at a fairly good rate so sort of like 4.25 Five, four twenty, four eighteen, four sixteen, and the last one was yeah four eighteen. The one that I cut short. So yeah, moving moving along pretty well, but um, yeah, definitely not fit enough to sustain that kind of pace for anything more than two minutes. Mm, that's for sure. So I'm assuming, given your four weeks consist of twenty five k's and thirty odd k's, marathons totally off the cards oh yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, didn't we i think we wrote that off last time no i can't remember i think i was just trying to be super optimistic and get you to even like (laughs) walk and you know join in a human chain or something with a bunch of the five hour groups but um yeah no that that was just not gonna happen no Um, so how's the headspace um, for the uh 10 in a row that you'd set yourself uh, look honestly i just I hadn't even thought about it. I just it just wasn't an option to do it. So I haven't been sitting here thinking, oh no, I won't be able to do ten marathons in a row. So and I, look, I've actually been what I have been doing is because yesterday in Melbourne, which was oh, might have been Thursday, um, it was it was hot, like yeah. it was twenty nine degrees. Oh wow! And I was just thinking, you know. It could very well again be another hot day for the Melbourne Marathon. So I just I kind of revised my strategy around ever, you know, trying to run a fast marathon at Melbourne. I think I think it's just too risky to train through the winter um, in Ballarat, especially where it's freezing cold, and then pop up at the Melbourne Marathon and get confronted with like 
the first or second hot day of the year and have no acclimatization and and mm-hmm. try and run a good marathon it just seems to be not a, not a sensible move so mm-hmm. i think i might have messaged you about maybe having a look at the canberra marathon next year as, yeah. a, as a target for me yeah. which will sort of put me on a similar time frame with you for tokyo yeah. Um, I think I'll be sort of doing that a little bit after you, but not by too much. So we could sort of follow a similar training strategy and sort of see how each of us do with that. But look, I'd still like to do my 10 Melbourne marathons, but whether I get it done 10 years in a row, I think I'm just going to have to roll with the punches on that one. And if I do do the Melbourne marathon next year, it'll probably, yeah, doing it for fun. Mm. Do you think that it's a fair comment saying that it's really hot given the current marathon conditions at the world champs <laughs> <laughs> well uh yeah no i do i do i mean it's all it's all relative um, it is 29 yeah. degrees is definitely not an optimal temperature to run a marathon at but certainly over in doha when it's close to what is it 35 degrees and at midnight and very high humidity that's obviously worse mm. um and yeah you wouldn't catch me towing the line to uh to do that, that just seems like a crazy thing to do. But but hey, if you if you're an elite athlete and your goal is to represent your country, then you'd you'd pretty much put up with anything, which is certainly what the the female marathoners did the other day. Um, it was yeah, pretty epic. Yeah, slightly tragic watching forty percent of the field drop out. Yeah, it's funny. I must admit, I have been watching quite a bit of the athletics, you know, and I, I love watching it. And often when I have watched previous world, Commonwealth, you know, high-level competition Olympic Games, I get this feeling of, oh, gosh, how great would it be, you know, to be out there and, and to be representing. And I'm not sure whether I'm moving into a different phase in my life at all, but I'm looking at all this now and I'm thinking, oh, it's such hard work. I'm glad I'm watching. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm genuinely, absolutely. there is no desire or interest. To, like, you know how sometimes you watch something and you get really inspired by it and you think, great, I'm going to go mm. out, I'm going to train hard. No, it hasn't actually passed anything, um, gone through me at all yeah. this time, but maybe it's also a case I've just got too many other things occupying my mind. Yeah, exactly, and that's the case for me. So, yeah, just yeah, I just at this point, yeah, don't care. <laughs> So anyway, rounding out my week last week, I actually did a longish run on Sunday. It was sixty, sorry, seventy-five minutes out in the forest. Um, it was good to get back out on the forest trails, mm. and that was about thirteen k. And I, look, I, I just basically tried to keep that as easy and as aerobic as possible. Um, a couple of the downhill sections I opened up a bit, but the first six k of that run was mostly uphill so everything was over six minute k's (laughs) so yeah not super fit at the moment and then as I turned around and headed back towards home kind of 540 and down to sort of mid to low fives towards the end as I just sort of came home not hard but at least yeah just got my stride going and uh, tried to finish off strongly that actually felt pretty good so I think I'm encouraged that uh, this week coming I should be able to maybe push out to certainly 80 minutes maybe even up to 90 minutes for my long run Mm. um, without doing too much damage. So is there a goal in mind Um, I mean I know that you've also had quite a bit on between commuting work and Mm. and study um, but it seems like somewhere in amongst there like the mojo's gone because these other things and rightly so have taken priority over the running 
Do you think that once the study sort of eases up, you'll be pinpointing something or are you just? I've, I've the- already pinpointed something. Oh, you so have? Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm pretty. Uh, oh, so the, tell us. The Ballarat, Ballarat Run for the Cause on the 17th of November. So Oh, good. There, so there's a range of events on there. So there's a half marathon, a 10K and a 5K. And I think I'll just wait a little bit and see how much fitness I can build up, especially with these long runs and see if I can start getting some longer threshold efforts put together in training. And if I can do, if I can get my long run out to two hours, two hours in the next few weeks and get some decent threshold sessions done, I might even line up in the half. But um, if not, I'll just do the 10K, I think. Mm. Oh, good. Nice supporting a nice local community event. Um, mm. I think only in its second year of running, is it? I think I think that's right. Yeah. And yeah, last year I couldn't do it because I was just broken mentally and physically from the marathon. So <laughs> <laughs> so it would be nice to actually go into that um, fresh this year, which would be good. Oh, good. Oh, well, Brian, he's back. We're, we're going to hear some um, some training from Brian. Exactly, yeah. No, I'm, I'm motivated to get some training done and I was, I'm still – quite encouraged by what I was able to do in that Wendery road race. Um, so if I can get my training up to at least that kind of level, I think I'll be able to start putting together some half-decent performances, mm. at least from my perspective and ability. Mm. What about you? Have you – well, I kind of know what you, roughly what you've been doing because you've been texting me, but um, we haven't kind of got into the mode of me setting programs and that kind of stuff yet. So No. Yeah, what have, what have you been up to? Well – do you know main priority for September is to was to still shake these niggles and sort of keep a bit of a base going so I feel like and this is probably a good thing I've been very look I've been quite consistent but there has been absolutely nothing special or remotely spectacular about the training that I've been doing so, good. which is, you know, which is really good. And I've still been trying to shake this calf niggle, which I'm going to touch wood here. I think I have finally gotten rid of it. You know, it's only been the last maybe three or four days where I can confidently say that I've gone out for a run, you know, I've come home and then I've woken up the next morning and there hasn't been just that slight sensation of something not right. Um, mm. So that's been a really positive sign. And because I've just had that lingering, it hasn't even just been in my mind. Like it, it has been there and it has been bothering me a bit. I just I haven't been pushing. I haven't really. So you've, been, you've kept that pretty quiet actually. Was that a deliberate strategy so I wouldn't tell you to stop <laughs> running? <laughs> no, because it wasn't. It wasn't so much that it was the same spot that was sore. It was just sort of that right calf in general just constantly had like these moving bits that every now and then would sort of pop up and say, you know, hi, I'm a bit tingly and that that would go away. And I don't know whether that's it's moving out or whether I don't really know what it was. So I was very, very cautious on it. I have never felt it at all so that it was – really, really, really bad. It was just sort of, you know, when something just isn't 100% right, like it's sort of 90% or 95%. And what I felt like I'd been doing since February this year when I first did this calf is I was getting it to that sort of 80 and 90% and then I was going and running, you know, 330s in training again. And I think yep. it, ju- it just never got to a point where it was actually 100%. And I think 
I, th- I think just keeping going with this steady as you go, not too much fast stuff for even the next month would be something to consider because oh, you definitely don't want to yeah. you don't want to regress on that one again not at all so 100 percent. that's exactly what october is going to be about but look i was pleased with september so it's pretty much the four weeks of september the mileage ended up being 70 k's 65.2 70.4 and 67.7 so an average of just over 68 k's per week for the month of September. And I'm really pleased with that. Like that was pretty much my marathon volume last Mm. year. There's really not been many sessions in that. Um, So over the last couple of weeks I have done, I'm going to call it moderate training. I don't know if that's the right word. Do you know what I mean when I'm saying moderate training? Yeah. Yeah, good. Um, Comfortable, (laughs) comfortably hard. Yeah, so you're not jogging, but you're not going all out. So I'll I'll give you an example in like pace-wise. So often when I jog, I jog anywhere between five minutes to five and a half minutes, depending on how I'm feeling. Whereas if I'm sort of, you know, doing efforts, I'm doing, you know, anywhere from sort of 3.30 to four minutes. But I've been running around that 4.30 to 4.50 mark um, in training and just – sort of been enjoying it actually like it hasn't been easy but it hasn't been hard Mm -hmm. so been doing a bit of that I did get onto the track and I did five by 1200s with 60 seconds break and that was probably the first session where the calf was sort of saying I think you're on the mend um but honestly, my average pace for those 1200s ranged between 407 down to a 402 was my quickest average. So for me running on the track, that's pretty slow. But again, you know, it felt really good. Um, and probably the only other remotely interesting thing that I've done apart from jogging over the last couple of weeks is I did the Orange Park Run, which I had posted on our socials because I was away for a birthday celebration with some friends in Orange and went to the Orange Park Run. And have you ever been to Orange, Brian? I have not. No. Well, it's beautiful. It reminds me a lot of Ballarat, to be honest. Um, you know, beautiful old period homes, big streets lined with amazing trees, very hilly, can get really hot and really cold. And anyway, so I went to the Orange Park Run and we got to the where everybody marshals and the lady who was running the event said, oh, today we're doing our summer course. And it's actually the first time that I had heard that a park run alternates between a summer and a winter course. Mm. And the the park run, it started on like this concrete path and there was sort of a lake next to it. Um, and I don't at all know the reasons why that they alternate. My guesstimate was that in the winter, maybe the lake rises and parts of the course get flooded. So they avoid sections of it. But the summer course is a cross country course and the winter course is a road course. So um, we all know how much I dislike cross country and I turned up wearing my hockers, my Carbon X hockers, thinking that I would be on the road and worst decision ever. I I know that I mentioned in the last show how much I loved the hawkers on the road. I do not recommend them on trail and cross country. <laughs> <laughs> the Carbon X ones, I think they do do trail shoes, but the Carbon X ones, mm. they're road shoes. And it was actually possibly one of the hardest park runs that I have done, not because of how fast I was going. I ended up running 2037, which I was quite pleased with given the terrain, but 
trying to run on, you know, trail rocky hills that are on a camber <laughs> in um, chunky carbon X yeah. road shoes. It, uh, it was actually it was impossible. Um, so I yeah. finished, and I was quite banged up from that because. I struggle with stability at the best of times, let alone popping those shoes on. So it was a really tough day in the office for me. What time did you end up running? <laughs> uh, 20.37. Oh, that's pretty quick still. Yeah. So heart rate was 152 average and it was hilly. Like it was actually quite hilly, but uh, it was just, just I couldn't relax. I couldn't get into a rhythm um, and I found it really hard, but you know, that's not at all a criticism of the Orange Park run because it was actually beautiful, but it was yeah. just purely due to the choice of my shoes and being completely um, naive to the terrain that we will be running on. So yeah. rookie error, but uh, I'll take the 2037. And then on the Sunday, I did 17.7 kilometres up the Orange Hills, so very, very hilly, um, averaging 530s, low heart rate, but it was an hour 37 and my knee started getting grumpy. So yeah. we need to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So it started to get grumpy around 90 minutes. And I think I had said, well, my previous longest run was that half marathon. Again, it's not the distance that's the issue. It's the mm. time. Mm-hmm. So I'd done that half marathon, 21 Ks in 90 minutes, no issues. But in running this run, and I think it's a bit of a combination of things, and this is why I'm still in favour of my two days off and then a long run, Mm -hmm. I think doing that tough session over that terrain on the Saturday, I was tired, you know, my hips are tired, my glutes are tired, and then I've gone and backed it up with a, you know, a 97-minute run. I actually don't think my body can tolerate that. What was the terrain like on the long run? Oh, hilly. Really hilly. Hilly. Yeah, right. yeah. On okay. roads though, yeah. so no um, no gravel or anything. No, It was on the roads. And look, I like the hills, but um, I think it's more of a fatigue thing is what I'm starting to see. Yeah, yeah. and kind of the, the sort of strategy I want to do with long runs for me and probably suggest for you as well is finding a way to get an hour or so of easy running done at quite a, quite a modest low heart rate mm. and that, for me, it's been working okay to do that over over hills in the forest, and then just sort of come out of that onto a either a flat, flattish kind of area to do the kind of stuff we're we're going to work towards with the marathon, um, and then kind of work the pace down, which will hopefully kind of click your body into action and get all of your um, glutes and your whole extension tra- chain firing because you're running slightly quicker, and hopefully for having run the the first hour nice and comfortably that you'll be able to uh, run at a decent pace without kind of blowing blowing your heart rate out. So I, I think just kind of nailing exactly how that's going to work for you, I feel like I've actually almost got that figured out for myself now. Um, it's taken a while, but whatever strategy you need to do to kind of arrive at 60 minutes or so ready to, to then do some of this um, marathon pace sub-threshold work that we've been talking about at the in the latter parts of your long run. I think that's something you might have to experiment with in terms of terrain and pace and and, and maybe even shoe changes mm. if we need to. Yeah, look, possibly. Between one and the other. Yeah, I think um, though having, you know, pretty much not doing that hard run 
the day before. Like I know Australia's method is you know, very much let's do a hard run on the Saturday and then let's do a long run on the Sunday. And I'm, I'm using inverted commas here um, because you look at Strava and I look at even you know the people that I run with and run around. I am not convinced they're doing their long runs easy. It's like training session Saturday, tempo run Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I think, you know, we're, we're sort of moving towards making our long run more of a session, exactly. but just not the first part of it. Um, the, the latter part, you know, we want, we want the fatigued part at the end of the session and to try and get through the first part as easy, easy as possible for the most part. And that might change a little bit when we see how we both go and what sort of shape we're in. But yeah, I, I think just going going hard every or kind of hard every week in your long run week after week is probably a recipe for disaster yeah at least, yeah at least for us yeah no and I agree and look you know I think if I was doing if I was focusing on track training or a five or even a 10k I see some you know some really big positives of doing that Saturday session maybe making it another track session or working on form and drills mm. because then Sunday probably only running 10 or 12ks but with the goal being the marathon and that long run in however format that you do it being like a key, mm. I just, you know, being totally selfish in the way that my body um, is after all these injuries, just can't jump into all those additional sessions for the, with those additional stresses. So play around with it and, yeah, let's go back to what was point number one, Brian, get me to the start line healthy and uninjured. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, got to be, we'll have to be, think think about a different way of doing that. I think getting back to what we were talking about of doing doing something midweek on, on the Wednesday or around that time and then doing something on the Sunday and the rest is just gym and jogging yeah, yeah. And, and a day or two off, yeah. at least one day off. Oh, yeah, look, at least. Mm. So... Speaking of gym, has have you been in the gym? Uh, I have been whilst I was at home and then um, since being in Byron, I, do you know what? I haven't committed to signing up or finding out the gyms here despite holidaying and having, you know, a house up here for however long. But I've got a little app on my phone that gives you a heap of gym programs. I bought my band and a couple okay. of other things. So I've been doing sort of every second or third day a lot of activations, a lot of body weight exercises. Mm-hmm. And look, they are definitely good, but I find that I really respond well to that heavy weight. You need the heavy, mm. yeah. Well, while you're away, yeah, doing a bit of that body weight stuff will be good. But um, once you get back home, back into the gym for you, because that's going to help that knee yeah. stay healthy. Yeah, no, it is. So um, anyway, that was a really long way of saying I haven't really done a lot, but I've been running quite consistent. The body is finally feeling good. And my main aim of October is just to continue that base. Um, and I'll maybe do, well, I've, I've got a race. I'm doing the Melbourne half marathon in two weeks time. Yes, um, that's true. Yeah. So that's, that's probably the biggest thing of October. I'm not racing that. I had really wanted to, that was sort of pinpointed as a big goal at the start of the year, but you just mentioned it before, you you haven't really been doing enough thresholds and long runs to mm-hmm. feel like you're in that form to, you know, I guess run a PB. No. no. Um just just make make it a make it a quality longish exactly. run on your Sunday. Yeah, exactly. And I don't want to say, you know, that I'm not fit because I am fit, but I'm not in PB shape. And I, I just already know that. So both 
both mentally and physically. And I actually also am just not in the headspace to want to hurt that much. So, um, mm. look, my goal is to run quicker than I ran at the Homebush, the New South Wales half a couple of weeks ago, which was I think I did 90 minutes and 41 seconds and to make sure I'm in one piece. So that's the, mm. the main goal in two weeks' time. Okay. So you are targeting a time. You don't want to consider like doing like a progression run or something like well, that? Well, I think I can do that, um, doing that, because I went back and looked at my splits from Canberra last year when I had my dodgy knee, and my first K, I think, was a 4.45, <laughs> and I ended up running 88 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. So I would like to try and run it similar to how I ran that day in Canberra. Um, and I crossed that finish line skipping, feeling like I could have gone on and run another half marathon. So I... <laughs> My recollection of me going across the line was not the same, but anyway. Um, and look, I'm a big believer in that mental side of it too, you know, that that feeling from that Canberra half marathon in just passing so many people at the back end sort of from sort of 15K and then finishing going, wow, Mm -hmm. you know, I could honestly have kept going at that pace for at least another, you know, 10 plus Ks and given the goals the marathon, I think they're the types of things that I need to be training both physically and mentally. Sounds good. Well, shall we flip over and talk about our topic of the week, which I was keen to talk to you about, about working out what the hell your heart rate zones are after all of these heart tests yes. um, and various other things. And, yeah, then we can sort of get some sensible uh, guardrails, I suppose, around uh, your midweek and also the long run sessions yeah. after this. So, Lisa, there's been a bit of back and forth on this one and I'm not sure whether we're quite at one mind on on this topic about where your heart rate training zone should be, but I'm going to kind of – I'm going to put my position out there that although your doctors and I obviously respect their opinion because they're doctors and I'm not have told you that your heart rate is unnaturally high. <laughs> Um, but I'm going to mount the argument that based on all of the things that you've been telling me over the last couple of years, that when your heart rate gets that high, it's basically kind of useless anyway. So I'm proposing that we sort of set an arbitrary um, maximal heart rate for you that is actually lower than what these kind of like big spikes that you've had is and that we set your training ranges off that lower figure rather than the higher figure. So, What do you say to that? I, yeah, no, I, I do agree. So the max heart rate that I have seen is 207 um, yeah. and I have been working off, I've actually, I have pulled that back and I've been working off a max heart rate of sort of 200 or maybe sort of like 195 to 200 and the reason I'll, I'll, I'll talk you through how I got to that. Um, when I look at my zones and the zones that I work in is that the easy aerobic zone, the sort of the marathon zone, threshold zone, and then your sort of all out efforts. When I'm doing my easy running, if I am to look at the that 200 sort of max, it gives me an output of a range of 130 to 158 beats per minute to be running easily. And when I look at 
what my, my heart rate data is telling me versus then how I'm feeling. I would probably say that when I'm around 155 to maybe 157-ish, I'm still feeling pretty easy then. When it starts to kick mm-hmm. over that and I'm seeing the higher 150s and low 160s, it's I'm definitely not aerobic anymore. So if I was to look at that 207 max, that's telling me my easy running's between 134 and 163. I know the way that I'm feeling that 163 is not easy. So mm-hmm. I'd probably be wanting to look at 155 beats per minute and below for that aerobic base. Like if mm-hmm. you look at the, um, what is it, 180 minus your age is that sort of standard model, um, I'd be looking at no higher than 145. That often feels a little too, like when I'm running at that mm-hmm. pace that correlates to that heart rate, that actually does just, it feels just a little bit too slow. But if I bump mm-hmm. it up to that 150, I feel like I'm moving well and easily. So I think it mm-hmm. is a bit higher than my 180 minus your age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I think it is as well. I was going to propose working off 190 or maybe up to 195 as your max mm. heart rate and then working out percentages off that. And I was just running numbers on 190 while you were talking. And it's and I'm doing this from Daniel's running formula, by the way. So he's defining easy as between sixty-five to seventy-nine yep. percent of your heart rate, which gives you kind of like a one fifty is the, the the aerobic ceiling, I suppose, um, which is pretty similar to what you're describing, actually. Mm. Type in one ninety-five. Um, Let's just see where that gets me. <laughs> one fifty-four. Yeah. So I think honestly, I think that's more more it's like when I am jogging along okay. yeah between one sort of 50 to 155 it, it it's feeling effortless all right well how about we how about we say 195 is your max heart rate for working out zones would you be comfortable with okay, that great what a compromise look here I am compromising <laughs> who have I become <laughs> well I've compromised as well because I still prefer 190 but anyway <laughs> I think we, you know, start with 195 and see how see how it turns out. We can always adjust it if we need to. Yeah, no, of course. Um, down the track, which, yeah, so that gives you sort of, you know, 150, 150 to 154 ish. So is kind of like the top end of your aerobic. Just for our listeners, um, I guess, what does all that mean? You know, that aerobic, that easy, and how do they get to it themselves? So it it kind of depends on which methodology you want to follow if you want to use the daniels running formula which is i think it's a reasonable place to start then you just turn to and i'm in the second edition i think my hard copy that i've got on the desk at the moment page 35 has a little table and it basically defines different training zones of easy slash aerobic like we've been talking about marathon pace threshold running and interval pace and then it also gives you a rep pace which doesn't really talk about heart rate for the um, for the last one um, so all I've been doing is basically taking your max heart rate which we've just had a negotiation around what we're going to use for me I use 184 because that's what I've actually recorded in a in a in an all-out effort and so for me I would just go 184 multiply that by either 0.65 or 0.79 and they're the they're the basically 65 to 79 percent ranges that Daniel says is easy running 
And just just because you know what the top end of that range is doesn't mean that you should do all of your running at the top end range. Like if you're feeling like you need to run slower than that or you want to run slower than that or you need to run slower than that to, say, arrive at the end of your first hour and still be aerobic, then, yeah, that's what you need to do. But, yeah, Daniel's little table is is quite helpful because that gives you percentage of your maximum heart rate. Um, so all you really need is at least a semi-accurate starting point um, of your maximum heart rate and then you can work out all of your zones from there. Mm, okay. With the, the Maffetone method, which basically that was what you were method, uh, mentioning before, uh, Phil Maffetone proposes that your aerobic pace limit or percentage is 180 minus your age um, as being the top end of that, which would give you, what's that, 145? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's still closest to the to the ballpark. Um, yeah. And look, to be honest, there are many days where I am. My you know, I finish my run, and my average is one forty five, one forty six, and that does include climbing up hills. And what the interesting thing that I like to look at at the moment is, um, you know, it, that's probably me running. 5.30 pace and I could I mm-hmm. could just tell you that it, without even looking at my watch because I've gotten so used to that feeling whereas, you know, sort of low fives to 5.15 pace is, is more in that sort of 150 to 154 mm-hmm. but it's all still aerobic work. So, you know, there's no one handing out medals because you ran five-minute pace for your long run or you ran six-minute pace. Correct. So getting back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I went off on a tangent. <laughs> So, yeah, so we've talked about your kind of easy aerobic pace. The ceiling for that is sort of somewhere in the 150, 154-ish kind of area. So that's all good. That's easy. And kind of with this philosophy that we've been talking about following, which is to basically do shorter threshold, as Daniels would call them, cruise intervals midweek. And when we're saying short, we're probably thinking anywhere from 90 seconds up to, I haven't really decided yet, but six to eight mm. minutes would probably be the absolute top end of those ones and then have some nice generous active recovery in between those efforts and that's going to kind of allow us to get us some really good quality running in and also just kind of sneak in some extra mileage because I, I know you did that session the other day where you kind of had a minute recovery and I was sort of saying well why don't we just have sort of full jog recoveries based on whatever our um threshold intervals are that we do midweek. Yeah, and I actually and like that. that'll that. just kind of help us tick over a few yeah, more Yeah, so I'm actually omitted because I didn't think it was that relevant, but it's relevant to this conversation. After I did that Orange Park run, I went and did um, three by four-minute sort of thresholds with a 90-second float, and I actually loved it. Mm. I, I think I ran about four-minute 30 pace for the for the efforts and the, the floats are about five minutes. And um yeah, covered nearly. I think it was an extra three k's, but it just like it just mm. felt felt really good. Like it didn't feel like I, I certainly wasn't ruined at the end of it. I did it on the concrete, so my shoes felt great. <laughs> but it's a nice way. I don't know about you. I sometimes get a bit bored of just jogging. Yeah, I do, and yeah, I, I'm definitely keen to do this for for myself as well in my own training. And that's kind of what I did today. Actually, is just five by two minutes with two minute really slow jog in yeah. between. And I would, yeah, I'm, I'm not really that interested in floating because floating for me sounds like you're actually still maintaining a pretty good pace. I'm, I'm more than happy just to plod on my two-minute jog recoveries and try and get my heart rate back down into the aerobic zone during that recovery period because the, the other kind of reason I wanted to do those shorter efforts 
still at a sub-threshold heart rate is to allow both of us to kind of just concentrate on working on our technique. And you can do that when your heart rate is not spiking well up into the into the VO2 max kind of zone. So, you know, we want to be nice and controlled and be able to run those um, efforts really strongly uh, and cleanly. Can I ask a question so that's about my, that's my, that's a my, comment that you just yep. said then? So you said in sub-threshold. Now, I've got Daniel's open yep. as well. He has a heart rate um, for what he calls the marathon zone. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying is yep. sub, ugh, sub-threshold? It is really like when you when you look at it, it's he says between eighty to ninety percent of your max mm-hmm. heart rate, and then ninety percent kind of overlaps with the range that he's got for threshold running, which is eighty eight to ninety two percent. And look, in some ways, I don't see much point in us trying to spend time absolutely at our threshold because we don't know exactly what it is without going to a lab anyway to get tested. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty hard to try and maintain an effort level where your heart rate's going to sit consistently at, in such a narrow range of like 88 to 92%. Whereas if we use kind of like 80 to 90%, then we've got a lot more forgiveness in terms of being able to kind of start those efforts, whether they be longer ones or shorter ones, um, and then kind of work to a point where we're starting to nudge that sort of 90% and then that's the time to to pull the pin mm. um, on the effort then and and let your heart rate sort of come back down mm, again. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, they are, it, it really is going to be marathon pace tra- or marathon effort, marathon heart rate range even training that we're going to be doing, but we're going to get very different pace numbers on our midweek shorter intervals than what we do on the long run for the same kind of heart rate. And so when people talk about that threshold, what type of work is that? Is that going and running a a 5K or is that going and running, you know, a a few um, miles? What what I can never quite differentiate that type of work between that sub-threshold or the marathon work. Yeah, well, Daniels is helpful here, and I was just looking at this before. Every time you dip back into this book, you sort of look at something and go, oh, yeah, that's really helpful (laughs) guidance. Um, So he's basically saying do threshold-type running um, in a range of between 20 and 60 minutes, and, you know, that kind of aligns with the physiology of basically be able to hold close to your threshold or around your threshold for a maximum of an hour. And so I guess that's where that guidance comes from. And then he's got for the marathon pace efforts, efforts of 90 minutes or 16 miles, which is 16 miles is quite a long way. Um, I might just do the 1.6. That's about 26 Ks. So he's proposing the longest uh, marathon pace um, session or mileage that would you, you would do would be about 26 k's but obviously that's probably going to be a bit long for us i would say Lisa. well i failed um, in my attempt of doing it last time so i yeah, don't yeah. need to bring those bad memories yeah. back <laughs> exactly but yeah probably for us working off time and you know for for a first point of call uh, it's going to be nowhere near doing 90 minutes of marathon pace um, yeah kind of and i think um, so we'll just sort of work I think up to for that. me i like that idea of you know, doing that 60 minutes of, or, you know, up to 60 minutes of jogging um, and then, you know, going and doing whatever it is, 90 minutes or, sorry, um, another 30 minutes to bring it to 90 minutes, but you're doing that last part harder or, you know, maybe even um, finding a, an event because I say that I really enjoy doing that yeah. work in an event, but doing an hour warm-up 
and then jumping into the event but running, you know, not racing it obviously, but running it at that marathon pace and having that feel of it's you're tired, that exact feel at the end of the marathon, replicating all those things without getting into the danger injury zone. Exactly. And I've just run the numbers on 90% of your 195 and you're topping out at about 175. So we don't really want you to go above that in any of those kind of sessions. No, and again, I know it myself. So today I went and did this random adventuresome run around Byron. As I mentioned before, I sometimes get a bit bored with just jogging. So I went off into all sorts of terrains and was ended up having to run up some crazy steep stairs and I looked down and my heart rate had gone, I think, I think I saw it at about 171 or 172. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling a bit here. So I actually stopped at the top of the hill until I saw it drop back down to 130. Yeah. And I, I know in myself that I, it starts to get a bit too hard and, I don't want to feel like that in the marathon. <laughs> mm. And I can honestly say it was one good thing about New York, I guess, being a bit sick and then my knee going. I never got into that zone. Like it actually felt cardiovascularly super easy the whole way. So, yeah, I guess trying to think about those types of feelings too when doing the training because uh, I would also like to not just be a slave to my watch. One mm. of the comments I mentioned to you from my run on Sunday, again, I was doing some hills and I said, oh, I sort of wanted to pick it up a bit you know, a, a bit in the run and was running along. I was feeling like I was picking it up and I looked down at my watch and I was only running five minute Ks. And your comment was, well, five minute Ks is what it was today. Yep. And, you know, it's so right. Like you, I think that's a good thing. Just flip your watch over to the time of day and, you know, do your perceived effort and it is what it is. That's why I like using the heart rate monitor because you just, even when I'm doing these my little threshold intervals um, or sub-threshold intervals to be more accurate. I've just got my heart rate showing and, oh, sorry, heart rate and the time of the mm. interval and just really looking at that heart rate. I'm not interested in how fast I'm running. I just, I, I don't even look, look at that really until I get home and download the data from my watch. So, yeah, it's all just making sure I don't go harder than what I need to been quite disciplined yeah, about you made that. a good point i need to change my watch face i know that i can do that but i've got them both on the same thing which is um yeah. you know pace case splits and how long i've been running for yeah. and i think yeah. you know this is a bit of an experiment this whole um training block too so why not throw out yeah. um the, the pace and as yeah. you say time and heart rate yeah. I, th I think you know prescribing minutes of effort Rather than distance, it will probably be the way we yeah. go as well as much oh, as possible. I've been enjoying that. That's pretty much how I've been running mm -hmm. actually at the moment. Just, um, yeah, going out saying, oh, I'm going to run for 40 minutes. And if I feel good, well, then I might add in a couple of extra minutes. And if I don't, I'll stop at 40. Okay. So we've got heart rate zones for for basically because <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we really need to do any um, above threshold work. So um, I think those two zones are going to be enough for our purposes at this point and if we kind of manipulate the length of those intervals midweek you're still going to be able to run really fast at that heart rate anyway and yeah my, my my goal like yours is to be able to get faster and be able to sustain it longer um in those those sort of midweek ones same for the the long runs just kind of extending out uh, the ability to hold on to a pace at a heart rate albeit at a slightly slower one because we'll be fatigued mm, hey on the it's a good night. question actually mm. you just brought up about well you know, what's the point of doing anything above that sort of sub-threshold um, marathon pace? 
people actually had one of the um, – there was a podcast I was listening to during the week saying, well, you know, you still need speed for marathon because if you have a quicker 5K mm-hmm. and then you've got a quicker 10K, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Do you think when you're in a marathon block that we'll just forget about training that speed work and leave it for – um, an out of marathon block, or is there some merit in throwing in some the ad hoc speed session in a marathon block? I, th- I think, given given the parameters that I'm working with, which is to get you to the start line, not injured. I think that's a like an element of risk that we don't need to necessarily take. Like, I'd be open to doing like some really easy strides or something like that once once a week, just to just as activation. So that would be in the spirit of. Um, advanced marathoning Pete Fitzinger. So he's could have got those throughout um, his marathon programs. So potentially, I mean, the other thing is like you're not lacking in speed and you don't need to run faster at 5K or 10K really to hit your your marathon goal time, I don't, I don't believe. And the other thing we're doing to kind of address speed and strength is trying to do two gym sessions a week as well. So um, that's kind of like a, a, a speed slash strength type workout as well. But in terms of like, you know, scheduling one, one K reps where you're going to be going absolutely flat out. Yeah. I'm not seeing like that's going to really help us. I, I think, I don't think in this, I think you'll be able to run quickly enough, um, in those kind of like two minute, three minute kind of efforts. I'll be surprised if you're not running sub four minute K pace, in those ones or well under um, if they're short intervals during this preparation anyway. So that's still going to be, you're probably going to be running on those ones at least 30 seconds per K faster than your marathon pay, goal yeah. pace. Yeah. No. And it was more of a question, not so for me. And I totally, I mean, yeah, oh, okay. Sorry. I'm in agreement mm. with the getting into the danger zone because I, I do love mm. running on the track and, and I, I do have a bit of speed. And so there may be a chance I get a bit excited if I was to <laughs> jump in and, and do some of those speed um, sessions. But I think even though that advice was for me, given that, you know, many of our audience or many of our listeners are not at the elite end, it might also be a mm. bit of an injury risk to suddenly throw in some some speed work for them as yeah. well. Look, and I, I think you know, it, it's a different answer if your goal is to run the fastest 5K that you can because then you should scan down the Daniels um, running formula and have a look at the reps and the rep paces, and they're, they're not driven by heart rate. But probably what I found in the past when I was running well over 5K is like that mix of th- sub-threshold running and the reps probably gave better results, I think, than flogging myself doing um, VO2 max intervals. So I was getting really fit off the threshold running and the, the, the kind of shorter reps, like 200s up to 400s, was just getting me nice and strong. And that was kind of like at 1500 race pace. So it was quite a bit quicker than the, the target 5K race pace as well. So, yeah, there's probably different ways to speed rather than doing those kind of uh, high stress VO2 max intervals. Mm. I don't think my calves or my hamstrings could take some crazy speed work at the moment anyway. They're kind of just like recoiling anyway, just thinking about it. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. And I think going back to wanting to work on some weaknesses um, by doing you know, whatever it is, 10 by one minute with a 30-second jog or one-minute jog, 
I think that's actually playing to weaknesses rather than strengths because if you were to say we'll do 10 by 400s with 60-second break like I did a couple of weeks ago yeah. and you were like, well, why? Why didn't yeah. you jog in between? Yeah. Because we know that you can go and you can run you know, 80-second 400s or 85-second 400s, but jog 200 metres in between them all, then see if like, you can still do it. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Yeah, I'm big. I'm big believer in the full recoveries, um, unless you're kind of training for um, fifteen hundred mm. meters, um, and then <laughs> then you want to get, do some of that deep lactic work. <laughs> but yeah, why not fully recover and try and get quality, and uh, yeah, get get quality rather than just completely destroying mm. yourself. No, nope, we're in ferocious agreement there. All right. Well, I think we've we've got the zones right now, so maybe um, should in our next one probably should actually start to like have a look at putting some base sort of sessions together yeah. for the next month. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely think so. So where are we at the moment? So we're at the start of October. I guess Melbourne Half Marathon is in two weeks, is it? Two weeks, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit, maybe a bit less. Yeah. Um, how many? Less. Gosh, it's, oh, God, hang on, it's next week. <laughs> yeah, it's literally it's next week. Next week. Yeah. So my plan is get to that I usually sort of have a bit of a down week after that I just find that distance bangs me up like um, I think we've mentioned before and then probably that week of the 21st of October start Mm -hmm. thinking about well what does the structure look like and by then my body will be 100% all intact I think (laughs) excellent excellent very good very good and get back into the gym (laughs) exactly (laughs) All right, I reckon we'll give that a good kick around. So um, Lisa's heart rate zones are locked in. You, you're on Strava, aren't you? Maybe I should get on Strava. I am on Strava, yeah, so, although I um, think I am private. You're private, so okay. if you, Can you share with me? So uh, I can possibly. I don't know how that works, actually. Just sort of – actually, a training partner of mine did it all and when my watch uploads to my phone, it then automatically goes there and – God, here I say I work in IT, but there are some things that just I'm not interested in, and that yeah. was one of them. Because um, she's like, "Oh, you, none of your stuff's going on Strava." I was like, "Oh, I haven't opened it for you know two weeks." She's like, "You know, you can link it automatically <laughs> right down the bottom of my care factor things." But anyway, I am on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we might figure out a way for you to at least share that with me. I might, I might need to get a profile. Yeah. <laughs> Stalker so. Brian. Very good. All right. Well, let's. I think we should call it a day. And uh, yeah, next time we'll um, we'll be mapping out uh, a little bit of a some training yeah, sessions. Very much. Are you doing anything this weekend? Actually, running wise. Now it's the weekend. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm look. I'm I'm gonna be in Melbourne basically for for study commitments. And I don't know. I might go and jog around the Parkville Park Run, but I don't think I'll be doing anything more exciting than that. I'm I'm actually keener to try and do a a ninety minute forest long run on sunday so i think that getting back into that rhythm of uh, getting those longer runs in is going to build up my sadly lacking mm. will fitness. we see you down at the Mar- melbourne marathon festival the following weekend or you'll be watching uh, from the live stream may- maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure i'm i'm thinking starting to think maybe unlikely uh but uh yeah i'll I'll have Watch a think this space. Well, I'm going to do the Ballina Park run tomorrow, actually. Um, as we had discussed, try and make it a bit of a progression run. And then mm-hmm. I've been tossing around in my head, maybe doing, as I mentioned, what I did at the end of Orange Park run, that sort of three by four minutes mm. at the end. We'll, we'll see. It's pretty warm up here and humid, actually. So I reckon I'd rather you did that on your on your long run at, at lower intensity. Mm, maybe I just what? Well, yeah, I, I was actually it. just going to run quite short on Sunday, given it was a week out to the mm. the half marathon. 
Not mm. that I'm tapering, by the way, but um, I yep. just actually genuinely didn't have the headspace to want to go and do another long run mm. on Sunday. All good. Perfect. All right, that's us. You have been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. Catch you next time.